are you doing today? I hope you're having a great day. It is Saturday in Cincinnati. My name is Sean Barkley, and I'm glad to have you along for the next 15 minutes or so as we talk about what's going on in the world and matters that are important to life and faith and how to live wisely in this crazy place. So I was thinking this week about two of my favorite actors, and I'm going to date myself here a little bit because they've been gone for a while, John Belushi and Chris Farley. Did you like those guys? I thought they were hilarious. Saturday Night Live and then all these other great movies died tragically of drug overdoses. Both of them did. Uh, Yet they were the masters of their craft, and they were the masters of Hollywood, and they were on top of the world. And one of the things I've always thought about those two people is that they mastered Hollywood. They mastered their craft. But the one person they could not master was themselves. They had these demons that they just could not deal with. I remember years ago when I was first in the ministry. I'm a Presbyterian minister. I read these words. The most important and first person a leader must lead is himself or herself. we got to learn how to lead ourselves. The word addiction is defined in many ways, but I sort of lump the definition of addiction into one kind of general um, sentence, and that would be an addiction is a compulsive behavior that gives us a temporary reward, but ultimately does us harm. In other words, an addiction is something that we just kind of compulsively do, habitually do, and we get this kind of temporary pleasure from it, but ultimately it does us no good and it ultimately harms us. And we talk a lot about addiction in our culture these days. The opioid crisis is all over this country and drugs are pouring in from different locations. Where I am seated right now, I'm close to Interstate 75 between Dayton and Cincinnati and heading on down into Kentucky. Terrible crisis. And I, in fact, I was listening to the radio just this week and there were three consecutive commercials. The first was about a, a product that's like a tobacco substitute. I think it was called Juul. And the person who was narrating the commercial said, I used to spend two to three hours a day either smoking or trying to find a place to smoke. And then she talked about how that was just crowding out other more meaningful activities in her life. The next commercial was for a casino. And at the end of the commercial, the narrator says, if you have a problem with gambling addiction, call this number for help. And then the third and final commercial in a row was for a rehab facility for people struggling with addiction. It is a huge problem. And I don't really want to have our talk today be about addiction. It's not just about saying no to drugs, as the old government campaign from the 1980s instructed. But rather, what I'd like to think about with you today is learning about the power of saying no to certain activities, no to certain opportunities even, in order to have the time and room to say yes to others, making room for God in our lives. And again, sometimes that requires us to say no, and and not necessarily to bad things. Do you remember the book, Good to Great? One of my all-time favorites. In fact, it's from from the 1990s, but it really was um, very pivotal pivotal in uh, in my life. And the book, Good to Great, written by Jim Collins, begins with these words. Good is the enemy of great. And he goes on and writes, and that is one of the key reasons why we have so little that becomes great. We don't have great schools principally because we have good schools. We don't have great government principally because we have good government. 
Few people attain great lives in part because it is just so easy to settle for the good life. In other words, we are satisfied with just doing good, and often doing good takes up so much of our time and energy, it crowds out any opportunity to do something that is great. And so, if there's going to be a word for today, the word would be no. Now, if you listened to this podcast last week, you heard me say that according to one study, no is the most dangerous word in the world. And it can be if we conceive of God as saying no to us and disapproving of us, or if we say no in return to God because God has called us to something and we just don't want to answer that calling, or if the people around us perceive the way we regard them as being negative and saying no to them. That can be very demoralizing. But the word no, when, it, when used properly, can be incredibly empowering because we learn to say no to those things that are going to crowd out what is going to allow us to do something great. Um, and so that's what we're going to be thinking about today. When we're babies, you know, when we're toddlers, no is one of the first words, words that we learn. We learn to say no, and sometimes 18-month-old children say no all the time. Why do they say no? Well, one, they've heard it their whole lives. No, don't touch that. No, don't go in that room. No, don't do that. No, don't pull your sister's hair. No, no, no. But another reason that no is used by them is because it indicates they are becoming self-aware. They're learning who they are. When we're 18 months old, we're starting to understand, well, this is what I want. This is not what I want. And we're learning to think for ourselves. And so no can be very powerful. We're going to talk about a, a passage from the New Testament, Luke chapter 4, where Jesus said no three times. He was being tempted in the wilderness by the devil. And Jesus said no to accumulating more stuff. He said no to being compulsive about achieving. And he also said no to trying to gain the approval of other people. And what we're going to see is that when Jesus said no to those temptations, it enabled him to carry out his divinely ordained purpose. Saying no kept him in communion with the Father. Whereas had he said yes, it would have prevented Jesus from living out his calling and it would have crowded out the Father from his life. And so there are times that you and I learn to say no in order to pursue what God is calling us to do and be. We say no to certain things in order to make room or make space in our lives for God. So I was writing these notes this week at a coffee shop. I write all my sermons at coffee shops because I like the background noise and I just like the activity, yet no one knows me and wants to talk with me. And so it's a great place. And so I'm sitting at this table, and it was a community table. You know, coffee shops, they have individual seating, but also these long community tables, and it was busy. And a couple walked in to the coffee shop and I could tell they were looking around like, where are we going to sit? And it's crowded. There's nowhere to sit. And instinctively, I began to spread my stuff out. I did not want to make room for them at all at this table because that was my space. One of my favorite authors talks about territorialism, how we want to crowd others out and say, this is just my space. It's not space to be shared. And so and he quotes this great study about people and parking places in parking lots. And researchers found, and tell me, think about this, has this ever happened to you? Researchers have found that when we are in our car looking for a parking place, if someone is pulling out of a parking space 
and we're waiting for that person to pull out of the parking space, they will intentionally take longer than they would were there no one waiting to take that space. I mean, and I've, I've felt that before, but I've never known that that was an actual thing, but it's been studied. People say, this is my space, this is my territory. The same thing is true with a crosswalk. Have you ever been sitting at a crosswalk and someone is walking across the street knowing that you are waiting to continue driving and you feel like that person is just walking slowly, as slow as he or she can walk? Have you ever had that experience? Researchers have found that people intentionally walk more slowly. It's as if they're saying, this is my space, this is my crosswalk. And so we're territorial. What I want to think about right now is making space for God in our lives and not being so territorial with, with our lives, but being open to God and letting God guide us and help us fulfill our purpose. So here, here we go. Here's the passage. Luke chapter 4. I'm just going to read it in three parts. So Jesus is in the wilderness. He's being tempted by the devil. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. Now, bread in Jesus's day symbolized having enough in terms of what gives us life. So if a person had a scarcity of bread, that would symbolize poverty. If a person had an abundance of bread, that would symbolize wealth. Here, Jesus is being tempted with accumulating what essentially is regarded as wealth. And he says, life is more than wealth. You see, there are many times in our lives that we become preoccupied with accumulating more stuff. It's like we're addicted or we have this compulsive behavior that wants to give us temporary satisfaction by accumulating more and more stuff. Is that true for your life? And if that is true, um, what is being crowded out if you had that compulsion? You know, Israel, when they were enslaved in Egypt, so you think about your Old Testament history. Many of the slaves in Egypt were forced to build enormous storehouses for grain, which of course leads to bread, right? And they developed what I call a storehouse mentality. The storehouse mentality says, we don't have enough, we'll never have enough, we need more, we need to build bigger and bigger barns to accumulate more and more. And so eventually they were liberated from that slavery, right? And while they were in the wilderness, 40 years wandering around, God provided them daily food. They couldn't keep that food more than a day. God said, I'm going to give you your daily bread. Does that ring a bell? I'm going to give you your daily bread. In doing so, he was teaching them to trust and depend on him. You see, here's the truth. It took God one day to get Israel out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get the Egypt out of Israel. They had this compulsion about accumulating more and more. What about you? Is there something in your life you are compulsively trying to accumulate? The average American, how many, let me, let's do it in the form of a question. How many minutes a day do you think the average American spends looking at social media? 142 minutes every day, every American on average. Two and a half hours just looking. No wonder Apple stock is a $209 a share, and the iPhone XR is $1,500. And so if we're doing that, what is being crowded out? What is not happening in those two and a half hours? 
And the same is true whenever we're just spending our time thinking about accumulating and getting more and more. What's being crowded out? There is a spiritual discipline to help deal with this, and it's called fasting. Now, when you hear the word fast, and when I hear the word fast, we think about doing without food, right? Breakfast is when we break our fast overnight. Or we hear the word fasting, we think about, okay, during Lent, I'm going to give up soft drinks, candy, coffee, whatever. But the truth is to fast is to simply do without something in order to make room for something else. And so maybe think about how can I fast from this desire to always be accumulating and getting more and more stuff? Let's continue on. Chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. Then the devil led Jesus up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and all their splendor, for it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. So if you will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus said, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. All these kingdoms are going to be worshiping you You're going to be the leader of all. In other words, you will achieve all this. Jesus said no to that. You see, some of us look at our lives and say we are what we achieve. We are the sum of our career. We are what our career or our vocation tells us that we are. Jesus began his public ministry. Here you are, the beginning of the gospel according to Luke. He began his public ministry by being led by the Spirit out into the wilderness. He didn't preach any sermons out there. He didn't teach out there. He didn't heal anyone. He didn't correct anyone. He did nothing out there that he could put on his resume. But Jesus understood that life is more than what we achieve. This is one of the compulsions I think a lot of us have. The desire to always be gaining more and more, growing more and more, achieving more and more. Have you ever had the experience of doing this? Introducing yourself without saying what you do. I mean, that's hard to do, isn't it? I mean, I I can think of times I've been in a meeting of my colleagues and uh, I'm supposed to introduce myself and I'll say, well, I went to seminary here and I've had pastorates here and I'm currently in this pastorate right here and talk about that ministry. And then I'll say, oh yeah, and I've got a wife and a son. Sometimes we mistake our achievements as being more important than the people around us. We become more preoccupied with what we do than with the one who wants us to, to who wants to be the Lord of our life. And so have you dealt with that? Do you feel this compulsion to always be achieving more and more? What is the cost? What is the cost in terms of your relationship with God? What is the cost in terms of your relationship with the people around you? Many of us have this addiction, though. And the spiritual practice to help deal with this is the practice of Sabbath. Sabbath is when we take that day, we take that time to rest and reflect and recharge and reconnect with God, reconnect with even our own self. All the way back to the Old Testament in the, in the Ten Commandments. We think of the Ten Commandments as these ten charters of negative liberties. These are the things you can't do. These are the restrictions. But Sabbath was given as a gift. And God gave us Sabbath so that we can understand we are not the sum total of our achievements. There's something more important in life than just simply achieving more and more. And so there's one more thing that Jesus said no to. The devil then led Jesus to Jerusalem, had him stand on the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the Son of God, 
Throw yourself down from here, for it's written in God's word, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it, is, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. In other words, in front of all these people, show them your incredible power. Here's the, the final compulsion or addiction that we have. Many of us um, have this compulsion to be people pleasers. Uh, we are defined by what other people think about us. We are defined by what other people say about us. Jesus said, no thanks. It's not all about what these people think. I've got a divinely given mission. Classic example of this from the Old Testament, the story of Nehemiah. You remember from your Old Testament history, or if you don't, uh, read it. It's fascinating. Israel is carried off into to exile by the Babylonian Empire. Eventually, they're allowed to go back into Jerusalem after they've been exiled for quite some time. Jerusalem is just ruins. There's no wall around the city to fortify and protect it. And so Nehemiah is this great leader. He's, he's going to rebuild the wall for the people. And so he's there coordinating that work, doing the work. And there are some people who want to see Nehemiah. They want to talk with him. Four times they ask for him. Four times I say, can we have your time? And Nehemiah every time says, no, if I take time to go be with you, it will be time away from building this wall. And this is holy, divinely ordained and inspired work. I'm going to say no to you because I've got more important things to do here. If you find yourself feeling this compulsion to just be pleasing the people around you, what is the cost of that? Is that taking you away from your divinely ordained purpose for what God wants you to do? Is that crowding out God's approval in your life because you're so consumed with the approval of the people around us? The answer to this, the spiritual discipline is to worship. Because when we worship, we have an audience of one. We don't think about gaining the approval. We don't think about what people around us are thinking or saying. We worship together in a community, but we also are reminded that God is our audience not the people around us. So there you go. Some food for thought this week. A powerful word, the word no. It will enable you to move from just doing good to doing great when it comes to following God and having space in your life for Him. Have a great week.